Good morning, everyone. We are here for our daily drop-in with the Teach Better team. We get to go live every single morning, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Eastern, and we are just here to kick off your day. We're going to continue our theme this week. We're talking about relationships. We have a recommendation for you because it's Wednesday of a great resource that you can go check out. We have our good news story all prepared for you and the incredible Hunter Flesh is here. We're going to talk shop all hour about all the things that Hunter has to share with us. Hunter, I'm so excited you're here. You're one of my favorite podcast hosts. I love listening to your show and I can't wait to dive into all that. So we'll be right back as we get started. You guys know the drill. Throw some hellos and good mornings in the comments. We'd love to hear from you. Make sure you go fill up your coffee because we are here to kick off your morning and we can't wait to get started. Good morning, Teach Better family. It's daily drop-in time. Hunter, how are you? Good morning. Good morning, Ray. You got me up early this morning, but we got coffee. We're going to talk teaching, so it's not too bad at all. I know. It's going to be good. I feel we need to do like a cheers right through our camera. Yeah, there we go. Boom. Thanks for having coffee with me this morning. It's so good to you see you. bet. I know our network is like slowly waking up. This is how it works. Hunter, where are you located? What time is it for you right now? I'm Central Time, so it's I'm here in Iowa, 6 a.m., 6.03 now, so bright and early. I know. That's always our joke. I had um, I had Jeff on. Usually, he's with us every Monday, and he's in Eastern Time Zone, so he's like, oh, 7 a.m., this is great timing. I'm like, oh, it's 6 <laughs> for me, Central Time Zone. But then you can't really complain because Liv was on yesterday, and she was West yeah. Time, and I was like, oh, oh, never goodness. mind. I'll keep my Central Time Zone. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> There's always someone waking up earlier than you, you know, it's just, no, it's a good reminder. That's a great reminder of the day. Hey guys, just remember, there's always someone waking up earlier than you. <laughs> <laughs> My sister's a nurse and she works overnight. So I'm like, she's been awake for hours already. Oh. So I can't complain too much. <laughs> Shout out to her. Oh my gosh. It's always so fun to see the people who are tuning in this morning. So good to see all of you. We got Jeff Gargas in the house. Andrea's here. Nikki, Alex. So fun to be kicking off our morning with you. You know, this is like what it's all about. Hunter, I don't remember how you got connected to the team. Do you do you remember how you got connected to this family? Yeah. So I remember sort of just searching around for podcasts and things. And I happened upon the Teach Better Team podcast and looked more into it, found the website. And I was like, oh, these people are kind of awesome. They're doing some amazing things. So and then I had read, I saw what you had done with your um, oh, I'm forgetting the name now your um something you're teaching a strategy that you use where you apply the real world situation right. oh the teach right. further model sure yeah yes the teach further model and it's like oh i need ray Hewitt to come on the podcast and talk about that and then here we are now you're so sweet hunter i it's it's funny like as you look into how people got connected one of the ways that we hear very commonly not only that they you know connected to the podcast or they saw a blog and they kind of joined the family was during COVID, the daily drop-in. We were live every single morning trying to create a space for people to talk shop. Now that we've brought it back for this school year, I'm really loving just like the dialogue, people getting in the habit of starting their year and starting every morning just with us, cheers and cup of coffee and kind of getting into some good stuff. So I don't know what your morning routine is, Hunter, but maybe daily drop-in should just become a part of your morning routine. It, it, I've popped in here and there. I caught the one yesterday. I've caught some here and there. Um, I'm using this as training to train my body to get back into the school mode to wake up early. So I was gonna it's kind of nice. I, yeah, I need an update. Like if you started school yet, tell me all those things. And also, Hunter, just in case people haven't connected with you yet, I'd love to have you kind of share a little bit about what you do in education because you you keep very busy. I'm a huge fan of all the work that you do, but in case our listeners um, maybe are connected with you for the first time, I'd love them to mm -hmm. get further connected to you. Sure. So a little bit about me. I'm a seventh grade science teacher here in Iowa. I will be going into my third year teaching. It seems like it's just flying by. I felt like I graduated yesterday. Um, so third year, I'm going to be a mentor teacher for the first time. So I've been doing training all summer for that. Um, let's see a little bit other than that. 
Um, I host a podcast called the Ed Essentials Podcast. So I, I love having guests on and really it's to grow myself as an educator and to offer all the wisdom that expert educators like yourself, Ray, and other Teach Better team folks and experts from across the world uh, to share their knowledge and make that available to them. So I work on that on the side. Um, love and life, love and teaching. And I forget the second part. When do, you, when do you start school? Have you started? Oh, when do I start? Oh my yeah. gosh. So I've already been meeting. Uh, I've been going into school uh, on since Monday, but I've had trainings before that. And then today is a TQ day, but our first official pre-service day is tomorrow. Okay. So it is so upon us. You're getting in it. It's like in the trench. Yep. You're almost there. That's good. I feel like there's so many educators that I'm connected to just specifically in Illinois that start today, like first day with kids. And so I feel like everybody, at yeah. least in the Midwest, I know that that's been a big focus of just who I get to network with on a day-to-day -day basis. It's like this week, next week, everyone's kind of slowly easing into the game. So mm -hmm. man, start of a new year. Are you feeling ready? Uh, yes, I'm feeling ready in a lot of uh, like a lot of different ways than I thought I was going to feel ready. And so like yesterday, for instance, I was just checking off my to-do list, you know, in a couple of ways. And then I'd find 10 other other productive things that I didn't think about that, you know, us as teachers, we just have this never ending to-do list in our head. Um, so I felt like I was being very productive just in uh, different ways than what was planned, which I feel like is the uh, the life of a teacher. Oh, it's such a life of a teacher. I was, um, yeah. I every Tuesday, I get together with uh, a few of my girlfriends on a Zoom call and we kind of like hang out, talk shop. We live in different locations now. So a Zoom call just makes sense for us to all come together. And one of them calling out Sarah, Sarah in the group looks at the clock last night and she goes, guys, I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer, but I have to go. And we're like, oh, it's getting late. That makes sense. We all have long days tomorrow. And she goes, no, I am just sitting here and going through my to-do list for the start of school. She's like, I can't even concentrate. It's not that I need to go to bed. I need to go work. And we had to have this like moment together where we're like, Sarah, it's 1130. You may not go to school right now. Like whatever to-do list you have, write it down. But like, you should not be doing work tonight. Like close your computer. You can wake up early in the morning and do whatever you feel like you need to get done. I'm like, but you may not go to school and go do work. That doesn't work. We're not going to allow that. You, well, you're I, a good friend for doing that. Yeah. But seriously, because truly, you know, that there are so many educators, whether you're listening right now, we'd love to hear in the comments. If you have this moment where you're like, I need to stop what I'm doing and work, but that's what the beginning of the year is all about. You have this like running to do list. And sometimes you're like, I can't handle it anymore. I'm going to drop what I'm doing, whether it be good for me or not. And I, and I need to go like get some things done on my to-do list. And that stress level is so common at the beginning of the year. The beginning of the year stress is, ugh. You're bringing back bad memories for me, right? Like, it's it's <laughs> no. so true. Like it, you have to be okay with just saying no and leaving the to-do list at, at school. And there is always, if you accept in your mind, there's always going to be things to do, then you become okay leaving it. You know? But that's that's the reality, right? There are always mm -hmm. things to do. But you know what, Hunter? I know that you experience this because you literally get to talk shop with teachers all the time, especially in your mm -hmm. podcast, which we have to get into because I love your podcast. I know that I, I, I have a lot of podcasts that I celebrate yours. I truly am an avid listener. I love the work that you do. But, but you. One, of the things, one of the things I noticed at the beginning of the year is that teachers are also great at ad-libbing. Like we love our jobs. Our passion oozes out of us. So yes, we should try and be as prepared as humanly possible. But there's also an ele element of like being able to kind of go with the flow and foster relationships and not put too much pressure on yourself to get it right the first time, right away, right off the bat, perfect lesson. You know, there's just, you don't need to do it. You, ha you have to accept a certain level of failure when you teach and know that that's natural. That is a, that's a natural part of learning. We ask our students to fail all the time and to learn from it. And so us as teachers, we just expect that we're supposed to be perfect and on top of it all the time. And we don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable with anyone because we want to be, you know, we want to be professional. We want to show that we're doing a good job, but to a certain degree, you have to allow that vulnerability in. And that's really, really hard to do. Very hard to do. I like this brain dump uh, suggestion mm -hmm. I've from Lindsay Titus before. Pick three things to do on your to-do list. Yeah, I like that. Love super that. Good. Super good. The, the, pick the three that are, you know, highest priority have to get done and then leave yeah. the rest. Love Absolutely. that, Lindsay. You know, Hunter, I know that this week we've been focusing on relationships. We're going to get into a lot of, not just the overall concept. It's universal. We agree relationships are important, but 
what are some things that we can do as educators, as colleagues, as, as leaders in the building to foster relationships is a really important topic that we're touching on this week. But as we get into that, I thought we'd first start with some good news and then kind of like get into our discussion about relationships. How does that sound? Love that. Let's do it. All right, let's do good news first. So our good news segment always starts with the celebration of the day. And Hunter, I just think this is maybe the best celebration of them all. Like there are always so many great holidays, but I think this one takes the cake. I just really do. Do you know what holiday is today? No, you're putting me on the spot. What is I it? Am. It's a really important one. Like if you don't know this, I think that you might need to go back to school to learn about it. It's that big. I, All right. Drop it on me. What do we got? Now I'm going to feel embarrassed. It's National Fajita Day. I knew I wanted to say it was food related. I was going to be too embarrassed to say it. I should have said it. Should have gone off my gut. Fajita Day. Should have known. You know, I feel like that's a that's a perfect food that everybody should try to incorporate in their day today. Whether it be for lunch, maybe you're on summer break still and you can like go get really great fajitas or make them at home. I think fajitas are great for dinner. That could be a really fun activity that after maybe a first day of school or after you're in an institute day all day, like grab the ingredients, head home and cook with the family. Fajitas are so fun to put at dinner. I love that. You are making a case for fajitas to be the most versatile food alive. I mean, (laughs) we can't get more versatile than fajitas. Totally what I expected to talk about this morning. I mean, you wait. I'm sorry, you didn't wake up at 5 a.m. this morning and no, say, yep. I really need fajitas in my life. You're right. You're right, Ray. I should have known. Shouldn't should have been prepared. Yeah, we need to hear from all of you in the comments. I don't know if you have your dinner plans ready, but I just think fajitas are the way to go. Like that's a personal recommendation. I don't know. Now you're making me crave fajitas, like I breakfast think, fajitas. Okay, so I won't lie, Hunter. I don't know that I know what goes in a traditional fajita. Like I know the peppers, obviously, like that's yeah. good. I would say like beef or pork, and then you've got your peppers and onions. Okay. Right? And pretty simple. Yeah. See, oh. I, I feel like the seasoning probably plays more of a role than oh, the vegetables. You know what I mean? Part. Okay. Mm. So, so I have to tell you, I'm I'm not a good cook at all. I, I barely know where <laughs> my stove is. So can I just like buy fajitas? Like, is there a is there a place that oh. people can recommend in the comments? Like the go-to fajita place? What do you mean no? Right. You have to learn how to make fajitas. Fajitas? Okay. I like Megan's fajitas. She's like, sounds like DoorDash for chilies. <laughs> chilies fajitas. Thank you, Megan, for having my back. All right. If you want to cop out, then go to Chili's. But I mean, Let, That's the quote of the day. You know what? If you want to cop out, go to Chili's. <laughs> Good to know. You know, um, just uh-huh. as a clarification, for those of you that are listening on Teach Better Talk podcast or streaming live with us right now on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Twitch, Chili's is not a proud sponsor of Daily Drop-In, and we'd love to have them. Um, but, you know, then we won't invite guests on like Hunter that will bash Chili's at our cop-out choices. I would love a potential sponsor like Chili's to sponsor the Daily Drop-In. I support everything that Chili's does. Uh, I'm just not going to buy fajitas. I'm going to make fajitas. I'm sorry. I'm just going to do so it. So you're, you're committed to like if you're going to eat a fajita, you're making it. That's what you're saying? I, I'm committed. Okay. Because I know that I'll make enough for leftovers so that when I go teach in the morning that I'll Ooh. I'll be ready to go. Fajitas mm-hmm. at like at the day after for lunch has got to be good. There's nothing Excellent. wrong with that. Excellent. Well, yes. Hunter, I just I really appreciate that you're here to celebrate this this enormous holiday with me. So so happy National Fajita Day. Um, I feel honored. Yeah, I wish you nothing but fajitas all day long. <laughs> all right, now I know get- what I'm gonna go buy for lunch. Let's get into a little bit more food. I have some good news articles here. And Karen also is recommending over on YouTube. She wants to know if you have a recipe you could share with us. Hunter, do you have a fajita recipe that you're going to (laughs) be? Totally have a secret fajita recipe that I'll (laughs) share later. No, Hunter. And then I will will Google search best fajita recipes and forward them to you. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I was thinking, like, you post so often on social media. Like, I know I just, like, stalk you all the time on Instagram. Maybe that can be one of your things today. Whatever's on your to-do list, push those down. At the very top should be finding good fajita recipe, posting it on social media. 
I have a to-do list right here. I'm adding it to the top. There we go. Happening. Uh, Karen's <laughs> recommending a full Hunter cookbook. I'm not sure if that's. Oh my gosh, Karen, you're killing me. Karen. <laughs> I have to make a whole cookbook now. Oh my gosh. I think. All right, Karen, I I will do that, but only if you can make a name that's that has like alliteration in it, like Hunter's uh, honorable cookbook. You, you got to come up with a better adjective for it. Okay. Uh, a Should fancy we, hunter cookbook name. I feel like you could link it to your podcast. Your podcast already is so active. There's so many listeners on there. You have incredible guests. I wonder if you should just like have a segment of some sort that the cooking book part of it. I think you could tie all these projects together. You yeah. Know? Like a teacher cookbook. Like as I interview guests, I get their best recipes. And then oh. I just gather. It's like, oh, Ray Hewitt's fajita recipe, which would be a drive through to Chili's or my recipe for whatever else. This is a gold mine. We are going to be millionaires. Can I get a like a cut of the action here? I just I need a percentage. This is my idea, Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> this is what the people want. Yeah, they're demanding it. And I Hunter's harvest is cute. Oh my gosh, that's perfect. Yeah, right. I like that one. Oh, now she's taking it a little too far. Hunter's hipster harvest. Now Ooh. I feel like too many H's. I just don't know. Yeah. Mm. The first one was, was on it. I think we can develop some more ideas. I like the positive energy though coming from Karen. Wait, can I can I get credit? Uh, Hewart works with this. It could be like I could be in this as an H. I'm just saying I fit. That's true. That's true. Yes. We can leave I, that in there somehow. somehow. Karen, I just want to confirmation because Hunter and I are the ones on camera, and I I have the good good news story, and I had the good the the information that today was National Fajita Day. Karen, this was all my idea. I don't I don't remember that you came up with this at all. I'm not giving you any credit, Karen. It's not you are now complicit though, Karen, just <laughs> FYI. All right, let's get into this good news category. You guys know that every single time that we have daily drop-in, we'd like to share good news with you. Obviously, National Fajita Day is stealing the show, but I thought that this good news article would also bring some happiness to all of your lives, especially as we continue to talk about food today. This is from the Good News Network. It's the headline reads, and I know, Hunter, this is very near and dear to your heart. It says, metabolism does not slow down in midlife, even though it's commonly believed that it does in a new study. Mm -hmm. It says, most of us remember a time when you could eat anything you wanted and not gain weight. A new study suggests that your metabolism, which is the rate in which you burn calories, actually starts its decline much later in life than we assumed. So it's talking about how all of us using the excuse that our metabolism has slowed down, it, it's not its not happening until we are much later in life. And it's talking about the fact that we should just eat more is really, this is a celebration of food. This whole article is celebrating that while your metabolism may slow down later in life, it doesn't happen right away. So you should fill your days with really great food. And, you know, I think it's a great idea. So when in doubt, buy an extra fajita from Chili's. <laughs> When in doubt, buy an extra fajita. I love this. Do it for the metabolism. It's it's craving it. Yeah. If all of you are listening right now, um, I know you're watching on a number of different platforms. Make sure you share this feed so people can not only connect with Hunter and his incredible new cookbook, uh, but also make sure that people are celebrating National Fajita Day. Because if there's any lesson that we've taken, it's that you need to go make a fajita today or buy it from Chili's, except if you're Hunter. Hunter doesn't believe in that. But I need... What I want is all the FCS teachers out there to oh. chime in and, and give us some fajita recipes that they may or may not use with students. I don't know oh, if there's yeah. been ever any student activity with fajitas. I'd love to see how that would be weaved in. There's got to be a student activity. There has to be. Fajitas. There's got to be. It's, it's a crime against humanity if there has not been a fajita lesson taught in all some right. school. I do have to say, I feel like fajitas could be a good opener to fostering great discussion, some laughs like we've already done here. I think this works in perfectly with our theme today, which is all about fostering relationships with others. I think walking down the hallway and informing your colleagues or your staff members that it's National Fajita Day can really bring a smile to your face to foster relationships. So we're going to transfer here into our brainstorm bank segment where we're going to actually get into the nitty gritty of this discussion of how we can continue to build relationships. So we'll be right back with all that. No surprise here, we do a brainstorm bank every single day of our daily drop-in. It's just an intentional moment where we ask you, do you need anything? So you can head over to teachbetter.com slash brainstorm bank, 
legitimately at any point throughout the day and submit your question if you have something that you want us to discuss on the daily drop-in or you're just looking for a brainstorm partner. Obviously, we can also take your comments live as we are right now because Megan Wells is still tuning in wanting to know about your recipe, Hunter. So the questions just keep flowing. But there are a lot of discussion this week happening, whether it be in the comments of our live video or even just in other news outlets that, that we get to post in with our network, looking at how to build authentic relationships. Hunter, you are a personable podcast host. You are an educator in the trenches. I know that you believe relationships are important, but but like it's not always easy to foster relationships right off the bat. You kind of have to do it all the time, whether it be with your students at the beginning of the year or podcast guests that you're meeting for the first time that you have to interview. You're right. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking, you know, in education, we use buzzwords all the time. And I don't know if we've ever recognized, maybe we have, if we've recognized relationships as a buzzword, mm -hmm. we all agree collectively as, as an education community that relationships matter and they're important. But when in our careers, when in our education, have we been given a tactical strategic handbook that says, this is how you build relationships? Never. Right. And so it's up to the individual to try and incorporate activities or use their personality to build the relationships. And that's why it's so hard because every person is unique and different. All students are unique and different. And so there really can't be, uh, I'll connect back to Pete as a cookbook or a recipe to do that. Right. And so that's why it's difficult first off. But, you know, initially I'm thinking about how I, I start relationships and it's, it's just about making a connection with one student, you know, right. Like when you talk to them face to face, you treat them like a human being. You talk to them like they're adults, like you you give them the basic and decent respect that they deserve to build that human connection. Obviously, you're going to be doing fun activities. All teachers are going to do that at the beginning of the year to get to know their, know their kids, make their class exciting and engaging. Um, but it's what do you do with that information that you've learned from those students to deepen that relationship? No, it's so true. You know. I have to say, and I, I know that I keep going back to your podcast and I apologize. I know that you do so many things in education, but I will always remember being a part of your podcast because I think you are a master at fostering relationships seemingly out of thin air. I think it's a skill that if we can hone in on what you do to, to, to give others that feeling that we can all be better at, at hopefully spreading that feeling to others. I think one of the elements that I love every time I chat with you, anytime I'm li even listening to your podcast as a listener is you seem to like block out the whole rest of the world when you're in a conversation. And I think that makes people that you're speaking to feel really valued because you're not distracted. Like they have your 100% attention. That is not easy to do. And it's absolutely not easy to do in the classroom. How do you do that? So like effective every time mm. I talk to you, I feel that way. Well, first of all, thank you. That's super, super kind. That just made my day. So thank you very much. Um, you know, as you said that, and I was thinking about it, first of all, I'm super interested to learn about what they have to say, right? I'm reaching out to people like Rick Wormley or John Hattie or Todd Whitaker or Ray Heward or, or Jeff Gargas or whoever, which I need to get Jeff on the podcast, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> And I think, so first of all, because I'm deeply interested in what they have to say, that gives me a level of maybe intensity isn't the right word, but attention to that person and, and what they're saying. So that like, because I want to learn from them so much and what, and I want to hear what they have to say, I'm deeply listening and I'm really, really intentional about the, the things I'm asking them. And so that's part of it. So you can take that and apply that to students. If, if you're talking to a student and you're not that interested, well, no kidding, you're not going to have a strong relationship with them. They can tell. Um, so first of all, you have to be really interested um, and you have to want to learn from them. But then two, you have to also dive into the things that they're interested about. And so when I ask the questions, it's not just, oh, insert question here about X topic. You know, I do a lot of research, you know, like Rick Wormley was the one that I just interviewed yesterday. And I was just binging all of his stuff. I was reading as much about him as I could, all of his work. And so when the opportunity comes to talk to those guests, they're not, I'm trying not to ask the questions that have been asked a thousand times. I already know what the answers are, but what I wanna dive is just that step deeper to get them to think or reflect on their own practice or get them to think about something that they haven't been asked to think about before. 
And you can apply that as well to students. Yeah. You know, you're you're deeply intrigued by them and what where they're coming from. And you have to be so good at asking them questions that get them to, to think and reflect and get them to where you want them to go. But that's really hard to do if you're not if you're not deeply invested in knowing your students. So. Well, and I think it's it's interesting as we talk about relationships and we all universally agree that that is so important in the classroom, maybe the most important thing in the classroom, those strategies, those things to keep in the back of your mind, those elements that you should be living through day to day to foster deep relationships is kind of all about what our week's about. We want to make sure mm -hmm. that people can take opportunities to really take strategies and actually apply them and do some reflection if they worked. Your focus on not only being a good listener, actually having interest, that genuine interest is clearly so important, but I kind of like the challenge. It's almost a simplistic challenge of how can you ask somebody a question that you don't think they've ever been asked before? And can that mindset, right, regardless of what it gets into, that mindset actually foster deeper relationships because you're being so intentional, possibly so creative to ask them something that you know the social studies teacher down the hall that they just left to head to your so science classroom, you know they didn't get asked that question. So can you ask them something that that kind of sparked? I, I like that mindset. That's a very cool approach. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm coining it now. There you go. That's yours to keep. Yeah. And I'll say, you know, Alex says here, you know, I don't think that I've ever built a meaningful relationship based on icebreakers alone. I actually think that that's important to note that the icebreakers that we might do, the activities we might do, hopefully is getting you that data on what you should be asking them about later, right? Hunter, it's not like the icebreaker is not the thing that's building relationships. The icebreaker is the thing that's getting you the information so you can go build the relationship. Yes, Alex, mm -hmm. that's absolutely correct. And I, I'm so glad that you said that. Like when we think as teachers that, oh, this Four Corners activity is gonna be great. I'm gonna learn that my kid loves chocolate chip cookies and sprinkles and birthday cake and blah, blah, blah. And that's all fun and hunky-dory. But what are you gonna do with that, yeah. right? Are you going to use the fact that they love chocolate chip cookies to then word a math problem differently so that when they're stuck on a math algebra problem that you can maybe weave in cookies somehow and count the number of chocolate chips? Like, how are you using that later on? That's the point that matters. So all the things that you're doing icebreaker wise, relationship building wise, you have to keep track of those things. It's like a Rolodex of information that you have to just go back to and say, oh, when my student is struggling in my classroom or in any classroom within school, how can I capitalize on the things I know deeply about that student mm -hmm. to get them to where I want them to go? Because I think what we get wrong too, and, and um, Todd Whitaker talks about this a lot is, it's not just about, you know, showing up to the basketball game, right? A kid will appreciate that, but it doesn't, it's not going to necessarily make them love being in your science class or your math class anymore, right? They want a learning relationship too. And so how can you push them, but also know enough about them to apply the things that are interesting to them to what you're teaching? I don't know if I worded that right, but... Yeah. If we if we look at it as a uh, a partnership between you know the the happy go lucky kind of relationship side plus the learning relationship that makes a really nice combination and that's the deep relationship you're looking for with your students. It doesn't have to be rainbows and roses all the time. Like I think that's what we get wrong in education when we when we think about relationships. Too many rainbows and roses. Yeah, too many rainbows and roses. Uh, you know, <laughs> and fajitas I apparently. Yeah, no, but, but your mindset of collecting information to be intentional and using it in the future is something we see educators do all the time with, with content, right? Formative assessment. We are constantly in the classroom during a lesson, taking in data points of students and saying, okay, she needs reteaching. Okay, he needs to move on to more challenging enrichment. Okay, how do I, how do I position people who should be grouped together? And yet I don't know that we're that strategic in our relationship building, that concept of using it later is, is something I don't hear discussed frequently, especially not at the beginning of the year. I've never sat in a district institute kickoff. I was at one on, on Monday with a school district that then said, hey, by the way, let's go through like a strategy and, and give you some reminders, kind of like we plan a lesson. Where are you trying to go? And what are these pieces that are going to help you get there? Kind of using that backwards design model to work your way up. I've never heard that dialogue at the beginning of the year. Mm -mm. It's because we assume that everyone can do it, 
right? We assume that, oh, you're a teacher because you love students and you've gotten this profession for a reason. So you just know how to build relationships, relationships with kids. And it's not to anyone's fault. We just assume. And there are other high priority things that we don't intentionally put relationships down, uh, you know, the totem pole per speak per, per se. But, you know, when we say, OK, you're going to implement SRG grading or we're going to implement social emotional practices. Well, the foundation of anything we do in teaching is relationships. And so if we aren't strategic and tactical about building relationships, then we're doing our teachers a disservice. Um, and, but oftentimes we just assume, you know, that, that teachers know, you know, how to meet every single student's needs. And that's that's too much to ask. No, I, I love that. It is too much to ask. And so those strategies to help us be successful, not only the mindset, some of the challenges, I still, I, I really resonate. I really love that concept of trying to ask a question that nobody's asked them yet today. I think that's such a powerful challenge to keep in the back of your mind as you're having a hundred conversations about nothing, right? Um, but but the other element of this, Hunter, is that some teachers that are listening to this are gonna say, yeah, I really wanna do that. Yeah, that's what I hope to do, but I don't have one class of 20 all day. You know, I have 150 kids that cycle throughout my classroom each day if they're in a middle school, high school setting. I mean, how do you keep track of all that, right? Like, how do you document the, whether it be internal in your head or, or on paper, how do you document all the stuff you're learning about students? Because you want to remember everything, especially those first few days, you're soaking up all this information. And then sometimes it, you like wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, I remember nothing, right? How do you keep that? <laughs> right. Well, that is a, it's a honorable task for any teacher that, you know, wants to do that and try to you know, back in the day, keep manila folders on every single kid and, and, you know, record, you know, <laughs> this kid loves, you know, basketball and hockey and whatever else. And that's so hard to do. And so I would say track what you can and collaborate with the rest, you know, track what you can, you know, do what you can to build the relationships that you can within your classroom. But then when you're meeting with your teams or when you're meeting with other grade levels, you know, hopefully beginning of the year, as you're starting to prepare for new students that you've never had before, you have to talk to other teachers to get information from them and say, hey, what would help with this kid? You know, what did you find? What were the strategies that you used? And, and whether that's an online database that the whole school has access to, or maybe it's just a, a individual teacher that you know had a relationship with that student, be proactive about reaching out to those people or, or add specific collaboration time during your team meeting to address those needs. And so, it shouldn't be on one teacher's back, especially when you get into the secondary levels. That's just not feasible. When you have 120, 150, 180 kids, however much it is, there's no way you're going to know everything, every single detail, every little minute fact about a student. Yeah. But it just takes one thing that you need, you know, to change, to make the difference. Yeah. If, if you can talk to a sixth grade teacher that gives you one piece of information that makes the difference for your current student, that's all you need. You're only looking for one thing. You're not looking for everything. Um, so I think that's an important mindset when you're going into, you know, building a relationship with a kid or building that learning relationship that I mentioned. It's it's not about knowing everything. It's about knowing the one thing that really will get them engaged. Yeah, I think you're adding a really beautiful element as we focus on relationships with students specifically is that collaboration element. You know, Lindsay pulled out a, a quote that you just shared that says, track what you can collaborate with the rest collaborating on our students' relationships with their with their teachers, you know, to, to best serve them is a huge piece to, to discuss. I love that focus. You know, last week we focused on communication and communication, not only with stakeholders and staff and colleagues, but communication with students. And we had some dialogue around documentation of some of that communication. There is an element here that you can kind of do something similar where you can be documenting some of those relationship norms, those relationship facts that you want to, you know, really understand about the student and whether it be, you know, kind of like a binder of, you know, every student has a page or there was a suggestion last week where you kind of have like rows of students, you just jot down mm -hmm. little symbols to help you be successful. But whatever type of learner you are as a person, right, whatever you know works for you, utilizing some sort of system very early on in the year so you can kind of keep those small pieces of data points so you can collaborate more effectively as, as your day continues, I think it's an easy strategy for us to incorporate. And the students are gonna appreciate it because we're not, you know, we're gonna remember what they, what they share, which is important, so. Right, and, and it's not to say that you're doing it every single day. It's not like you have to 
so say I, you know, I learn about Ray and I learn that Ray really loves, uh, you know, fajitas, dance fajitas. Yeah. Fajitas. And it's not like I'm going to make every single math problem that I teach Ray about fajitas. That's not what we're saying, but yeah. it's, you know, every couple of weeks as I learn something more about Ray, I'm going to go back, check on, uh, you know, the information that I record and say, Oh, duh. I remember that Ray liked fajitas. And so now I'm going to go when, whenever she's struggling, I might maybe make a metaphor that makes something more easily clarifiable or, or uh, clear to Ray through the metaphor of fajitas. Yeah. Or maybe I'm going to make a math problem that just incorporates that a little bit. It's not like we are, you have to know her life story. Obviously that matters and that's important, but it's, mm -hmm. you can only do so much with that information. And so, and you can only do so much with it every single day. I think when we think about building relationships and, and being, you know, responsive teachers that we act like we're making, you know, individualized lesson plans for every single student every single day. And that's not what we're talking about. Well, well, and I love that focus. And I know I would like to transition at some point from students to like colleagues, because I think some oh, of these sure. really align. But sometimes when you're building a relationship with students and documenting things that they might like, it's not actually the item you're documenting, right? Like Hunter is the Hunter's favorite holiday is National Fajita Day, and I want to remember that fun fact about him. But it's also about what what makes them smile, right? What type of tone or interaction did you have with them that they really responded to, right? Those moments, some of my favorite moments at the beginning of the school year, guys. I know this is terrible, but with my background in sixth grade uh, as a sixth grade teacher, my favorite moment early on is helping a kid with their locker, right? They're so frustrated and it's brand new and it's stressful and the hallway's busy and oh my gosh, maybe they're coming in from the day and they're, and they're getting ready or maybe they're leaving and heading home. And it's kind of this moment where they can find failure or they can find success. And, and that moment as an educator where you get to go up and like help them problem solve, right? That aha moment of I got the locker, you know, like, oh, let's, or let's learn it. Let's, let's learn the combination. Like, I just love those easy, fun, winnable moments. And sometimes it's just like knowing how to make them giggle in a stressful situation. Like one important data point to have, like, Ooh, I know that I can get this student to, to relax and, you know, not be so stressed by making a joke in some way that, that resonates with their likes, dislikes or, or anything in between. I love those moments too. Those moments are almost more important because A, it's not happening in your classroom. And right. so then you're building that relationship in a different setting. They see that you actually care about them outside of just math class or science class, whatever it is. And so that's super important. Uh, good morning, Brad. Um, and so that's so key. And, and when you're going out of your way to meet the student where they're at, right? It's not about sometimes it's about the language you use. It's it's knowing when to make that joke. It's knowing when to stop and say, hey, I know it's stressful right now, but this is recoverable, right? Like everything will be okay. Yeah. And that is relationship building in and of itself. So the more intentional we can analyze our own language about getting, getting away from just teacher directed, um, I'm ordering you to do these things to, we're doing this together and I will fail alongside you that is relationship building, but we don't always phrase it that way. We phrase it as, you know, responsive teaching or whatever else. And so yeah. we have to think about those things as, as relationship builders as well. You know, as I'm thinking through like my interaction with a student at their locker, right? You're kind of, you're an outsider walking up to a situation. Typically you're reading the situation, you're looking at body language, maybe looking at, at, at or hearing tone of voice, depending on the dialogue you're having. And you're evaluating what you can do to be most helpful in that situation and foster relationships. You probably can do that walking down the hall or in the teacher's lounge as well with a colleague. You know, new staffs mm -hmm. are starting all over right now, right? There's so many people that are being hired and being welcomed into new, new school buildings. And, and it's tricky, especially with us, a lot of us still wearing masks. I know it's different state to state, district to district. Um, mm -hmm fostering those relationships with new faces or faces that you may not have seen for a very long time. And, you know, taking those intentional moments to use all these strategies we've discussed with our colleagues works just as easily, just as well. Um, you know, these are really tips and tricks on not only how to build relationships with students, but just people in general. Do you commonly start with a 
typical, you know, like entering the conversation a strategy in terms of whether you're doing a podcast interview or, or at school to foster those relationships with your colleagues? That's a good question. I don't know if I've ever thought about it for school. I think, I wonder if this will answer the question. I think when I am in a school building, when I'm thinking about how I can best build relationships with my colleagues, I'm predicting their needs. I think that's how I go about building relationships with colleagues and especially new teachers, even just new ones that are. That's a great observation. I feel like you need to say that again for the people in the back (laughs) that needed to hear that. That is a great strategy. Okay. I'm sorry to interrupt you. That is. No, you're, you're good. I think, I don't know if I would, if the phrasing is right, I, I, you're going to make me reflect on this now throughout the day, but I think when I approach colleagues, I like to predict their needs. And, and the reason I say that is because when I was a first year teacher so long ago, you know, just a couple years ago, um, my mentor teacher at the time, Kathy Meidel, shout out, she uh, literally walked into my room and I knew she was gonna be my mentor teacher. I believe I'd already met her. So I already knew who she was, but she literally came in with a list of like, hey, you know, here are just a list of things that you can check off. These are just things that you may have not have thought about to, you know, prep before the first day of school. Just want to let you know. And literally everything on the list was something that I hadn't thought about. <laughs> and it saved me, right? And that little act of predicting my needs just made me feel so much more uh, comfortable to go to her and say, oh my gosh, Kathy, help me. <laughs> this is what I need. Like you just saved my life. And so the more, obviously, you know, when you have new teachers coming into your district, you know, they've been around the bend. They, they have their own routines and stuff, but it's always a tough transition to a new school. They don't know how it runs. They don't know what systems are in place. They don't know who to go to. And so the more that you can predict the needs of those new people and what they might need to best fit in or best um, succeed, that's a really easy way to build that relationship or at least make them feel like they're, you know, in the community with you. Um, But as it relates to like individualizing um, your relationships, I, it's kind of bad. I kind of treat how I talk with people like it's a podcast interview. Is that bad? I I predicted that. That makes sense to me. (laughs) And so it goes back to like, am I asking them something that's meaningful to them? It's Mm -hmm. not just the, oh, how are you? Like, I'm the one that pokes and prod and says, yeah, but like, how are you really? (laughs) You know? And, Mm -hmm. And I, I try to get at something that means something to them. And, and it it usually leads to some way or something that I can help them with. And it's not me fixing a problem. It's not what it's not like why I'm trying to go in there. It's not me riding in on a white shining horse with armor trying to save the day. That's not what that's about. It's about helping them feel like they have somebody to talk to. Someone mm-hmm. that is going to be there to listen to them or to to potentially help fix problems if they want that. But you have to be confident to go do that and and knowingly uh, take initiative to do that. I think we assume too that relationships like, oh, everyone's just going to get along and all the problems are going to be fixed amongst our staff. And that's just not the case. So, you know, I, I think all this does though align to what you were sharing on is this concept of predicting needs. I think that I know that that phrasing may not be your favorite. I, I, I think I'm going to be stuck thinking about this all week as we talk about relationships. I think if you are not only using relationships to collect information to understand that person's needs, but also think for being forward thinking enough to know that when you have an interaction with that person, what they might need based on the information that you've collected, like to be able to put together that list that 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 mentor teacher did for you. Holy cow, what a what a wonderful way to foster relationships because you're being helpful, you're, you're building trust. I mean, those are core fundamentals of a relationship. And I think that whether we're talking about a student, but really colleagues, that is such a, a beautiful mindset to carry when you're when you're speaking with somebody is, you know, how can I help this person be more successful? And it, it doesn't always come with a to-do list. It, it could mm-hmm. come with, like you were sharing earlier, the, the concept of being a, a listening ear, they might just need that, that that might be a need. They need someone to brainstorm with, which is why we have brainstorm bake on the daily drop-in, right? Just kind of offering up the opportunity to be accessible and and to be, uh, you know, there if if they so need somebody. I think that approach to me, I feel like you hit the nail on the head of, of one of the pieces that I love about building relationships is that focus yeah. of trying to provide them with 
something that would be helpful to them. And I, I think that that mindset is actually something I was just talking to an educator earlier about supporting their student teacher. What your mentor did for you is actually something that we could be doing not only for each other, but for our, our student teachers or anything in between is kind of like, what should you be thinking of? How can I help you predict your needs? That That's a huge mm-hmm. asset. And you're making me, you, you spurred a thought. And so like when you want, it's not just predicting needs too, but you, your needs are tailored based on their strengths and weaknesses, right? And so some teachers might need time to process. And so when you are in a meeting or when you're approaching them, like give wait time or you can allow two minutes of wait time or a week of wait time or a day of wait time, whatever it might be. And then you approach a conversation. It's it's knowing the individual and their needs mm-hmm. in terms of um, not just teacher related to-do list items, but needs emotionally, mentally, uh, knowing the person in that way makes a huge difference in how you approach the to-do list items of, hey, here's how I can support you. Yeah, I'd love to challenge our audience right now. If you're As you're listening to this, I know that so many of you, we appreciate you when you share this feed so that we can continue to amplify not only the ideas being shared here, but even your ideas in the comments that you continue to, to throw in. We so appreciate that. I, I would really love to hear our audience's like, biggest takeaways of today. For me, there's Mm. been so many aha moments. I'd love to hear from you. Just really quick in the comments, if you're listening on your phone or maybe you're on your laptop, just type in in the text wherever you're listening from over on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Twitch. Even if you are listening to this after the fact as an episode of Teach Teach Better Talk podcast, tweet at us. Let us know what's the biggest takeaway um, from our discussion today about relationships. You know, it's Wednesday. We've been focusing on this idea for three days now, we got two more days coming for the rest of the week, really trying to give you those tactical strategies. Hunter, I think that there's really two that resonate with mm-hmm. me. And one is that challenge of, of can you ask a question today that nobody else has asked that person? I, I think that's so spot on. I see you model that in your podcast all the time. I love that. And the other is, can you help to predict somebody else's needs? I, I think those two takeaways are enormous. Um, and I, I really do believe that that you do model this on your podcast. I'd love for you to share a little bit about your podcast since we keep mentioning it. Um, kind sure. of when it started, what it's called, where people can get connected, that'd be great. Yeah, so I started at Essentials. That's just sort of the brand and you know platform that I've built. Um, I started out just writing blogs, reflecting as, as a student teacher. And so it was personally for me just to remember the moments that I had with students and the reflections I had growing as an educator so I could go back and reflect on it. Um, and remember the practices and lessons I learned. Um, But it built into something where I realized as a first year teacher, and I'm lucky enough to have parents as educators. And so I knew I always had them to go back to, right? But as a new teacher, and all of us are so passionate, and that's why you're tuning in to the Daily Drop-In for Teach Better Team. Like You are passionate. You have burning questions that you want answers to. And so I found that Yes, I can get some of those questions answered within my school, but not all of them. And so it's really important to me that I get those questions answered because it affects my practice. And so I decided to build a podcast called the Ed Essentials Podcast um, that gave me the ability and opportunity to talk with expert educators. So not only I could speed up my own learning process, my teaching strategies and build my practice, but how can I have the greatest impact on my students early on? Um And I'm sort of a proponent of like, it doesn't matter who you are, like just go for it. And so, you know, starting a podcast and just reaching out to, you know, big people and, and, you know, experts and amazing educators who are just willing and generous to share their time and their wisdom, like you, Ray and others. It's just, it's been a, it's, I've been super lucky uh, with all the guests that I've had on and and thankful for all of them. And so you can find it on any platform, really. You can find it on the Teach Better Team website. Happy to be part of the organization. I up I try to update episodes every couple of weeks, but you know, with my master's program starting this fall, it might be just monthly. Um, but it's I, I don't try to put a schedule on it. I try to make every episode really meaningful and intentional and and purposeful. So I do to say, Hunter, that like breaks every podcast suggestion that I have. People when people ask me about how to start a podcast, we always joke like you have to be consistent, you have to allow your listeners to like be able to predict what they're doing. <laughs> You are so, you give such good interviews. I don't care when the episodes come out. Like I, it's so funny. I I find myself waking up every morning. I listen to the same podcast to start my morning. It's just like a talk show. And every, it's just my routine to be like, all right, is there a new one from Hunter? Okay, there's not today, maybe tomorrow. And I love the conversation. I think 
you doing the schedule that works best for you just works because the content's so good. So I hope everybody heads over and subscribes, rates, reviews. Those are really good things to do for any podcast that you love because it allows other listeners to get connected. So you can go to teachbetter.com slash podcasts and see uh, Hunter's podcast there. He's a part of the Teach Better Team podcast network, but or you can just search him on Apple, whatever works best for you. And uh, definitely make sure you rate, review, all that stuff because it just helps us reach a wider audience. And I just really appreciate it. So the conversation that you had recently, your most recent episode, you were very excited about. Is that out mm-hmm. for people to hear? Like, what's the deal with that? It is not out yet. I so I just inter- I know I know I just interviewed Rick Wormley. He is one of my idols, my icons that I just look up to so greatly. Um, thank you so much, Karen, for subscribing. I appreciate that. Uh, so I talked with him last night, and oh my goodness, this man is so insightful, so thoughtful. Um, I know you and I were talking before this. He just has so much. Um, determination and certainty in what he's talking about and, and uh, you know, the message that he brings. And so it's all about differentiation, all about uh, equitable grading practices. But I really tried to dig in on how we actually get people to overcome the hesitancy around differentiation, the strategies towards implementing it, what it actually looks like versus what people think it is, um, how systems can honor it more equitably. Um, you know, as well as some other fun, uh, some fun questions in there too. We went for about an hour and a half. So it's going to be a, an awesome interview. It'll be a couple drives to and from work for you teachers out there. So uh, uh, I'll try to release that on Monday. It's all right, coming. Monday, set an alarm right now, people, that mm-hmm. you need to check that there's a new episode coming out early next week. This is going to be a great conversation. As many of you know, Rick joined us for our 12-hour live that we did earlier and um, you can catch that, that um, hour-long discussion over in our Teach Better Academy. So you can get a little dose there and then dive into, um, I can only imagine, the incredible conversation. I would pay money to watch that conversation live. I wish that you would have given like free tickets to watch you guys do the interview because I think that would have been awesome. Next time, Hunter. Next time. Yeah. I've thought okay, so I've thought about using Clubhouse or Spotify Green Room to do something like that. So like live studio audience. I like yes. me in. All right. I, I will I'll play around with that. I'll mess around with that and see if I can uh meet the needs of the listeners, give the people what they want. Give the people what they want. I love it. <laughs> We're gonna transition here actually with a, another incredible expert that we want to highlight before we end out our morning with our daily drop-in. So If you need a quick break to brush your teeth, do that super fast because we were going to take one more quick segment here for daily drop-in, finish out our last sip of coffee, and send you off for an incredible day. So we'll be right back as we kick off recommendations we love. So I told you, Hunter, that you already ruined this segment. Um, I just wanted to put that <laughs> out there. That, um, Thank you. Yeah, you really did because, and I'm a li- I'm still a little salty if you can't tell because there's not a lot <laughs> that we can do for daily drop-in. Like, there's really a lot of this is organic conversation. We want to respond to our mm-hmm. audience. We want to, you know, allow our guests to kind of lead lead the conversation. But one thing I can prepare for is is some element of every so often I can prepare some good news stories that if you've seen a few, you know, we can kind of plan them out. Or mm-hmm. if we have recommendations every single Wednesday, we're able to bring a recommendation that we think is really going to foster like strong discussion, reflection. It usually relates to the theme. And knowing the theme was relationships this week, I was intending on recommending your podcast. And then you came on as a guest. And I'm like, well, now I can't recommend your podcast because it's going to seem unauthentic if I recommend your podcast as our recommendation. So we're completely scrapping that. I don't recommend your podcast, Hunter. It's a terrible, terrible show. <laughs> Just kidding. We well, Agreed. Do. Agreed. No, no, no. <laughs> but, uh, but I thought it would be valuable to maybe recommend something in addition to, obviously, your podcast. Because I thought I had a feeling we may have touched on it during this segment before we went live. So... Look at Ray trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to do the right thing here. So I picked a different recommendation that I think Mm -hmm. has incredible value, different value than a podcast. You know, I really think mediums affect Mm -hmm. the the suggestions that we can get, the interaction we can have with the content. So while I love that people are podcast listeners, they might even be, you know, listening to Daily Dropping on a podcast episode. 
I'm going to recommend a book this week. And this book, Hunter, you said you have not had him on your podcast. Mm -mm. Add him to the list. So this is Teach Your Class Off. This is by CJ Reynolds. CJ is an incredible educator in California, um, not in California, in Pennsylvania, I think. I'm PA, I'm pretty sure. I'm losing my mind. Um, CJ is outstanding. And this book came out um, recently, just a few years ago. Um, I don't know if it was 2020 or 2019. I apologize that I don't know that. I can look that up right now in the back cover. Um, but CJ is an all-star. He's an incredible human being. He is so authentic. And I love this book. He has a lot of incredible stories in here. And the one thing I actually wanted to recommend um, was his chapter three is all about building student relationships. If you follow CJ on social media, there are so many things to see. Um, but obviously his YouTube channel is actually the spot that I would recommend each and every one of you go, especially if you're watching Daily Dropping on YouTube, just pop over to his channel. It's called Real Rap with Reynolds. Um, he has you know, over 45,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel, and he is all about fostering authentic relationships. This guy just is good people, you know, that good people. Mm -hmm. um, the third chapter, which focuses on student relationships, kind of aligns with what we were talking about here. I wanted to pull one of the subtitles here, um, which align perfectly. On page 40, there's a subsection of chapter three that says, your attention matters more than your advice. And I think that that is incredible section. I'm not going to read to you the whole thing. It's it's multiple pages. He really goes into stories of not only students, but interactions with colleagues and the power of giving your full attention to somebody else. Um, obviously, this book is not just about relationships. There's a lot in here, but I definitely wanted to recommend this one. If you guys have not connected with CJ Reynolds, he is the bomb.com. He was a speaker at the Teach Better Conference 2019. And... Um, yeah, there's just a lot in here. This is a, a book chock full of passion. So whether you read it, you know, cover to cover or pop through a few different chapters, there are a lot of good recommendations here. Definitely recommend following CJ Reynolds and all the work that he continues to do. So that's our recommendation for the week, Hunter. You need to have him on the podcast. I've added him to my list and okay. I've got some, you know, I have a book to research now. So thank I you for the you. homework. Seriously, I don't think this was out when I met him in 2019. So this must have come out in 2020. I know that that sounds silly that I haven't been, been able to find this, but it's a new book. It's not something that I think. What's the title of the book for people who don't know? It's called Teach Your Class Off, The Real Rap Guide to Teaching. Ooh, I it's love that. Very good. Why can I not find the date that this was published? Am I losing my mind? Oh, 2020, it says. Perfect. Yep. There it is. So um, it's a Burgess book. For those of you who like the Dave Burgess uh, consulting books, always something that um, we celebrate. Obviously, they're a part of our Teach Better family. But CJ's just a cool guy. You have to go follow him on Instagram as well, Hunter. I know that you do a ton on Instagram. CJ's a great follow. Yep. I'm going to do that right after the, we get off the recording here. So awesome. appreciate the homework, Ray. I, you know, always wanting to add to your day. But hopefully, this is a good, easy read, some feel-good stories and stuff in there as mm -hmm. well. So. Hunter, thank you for the discussion. I want to make sure people can go connect with you. What platform is the best suggestion outside of going and subscribing to the podcast? Sure. My main home is Instagram. So you can follow me at edessentials uh, underscore. If you just type in Hunter or edessentials uh, or just go to Ray and creep on Ray and find her followers and, and you'll, you'll find me. Um, or on Twitter. I've been starting to be a little bit more active on Twitter. Um, or you can go to edessentials.net and you can check out the website and just kind of see some of my old blog posts. You can find the updated podcast episodes there. Um, like I said earlier, the podcast is on Apple, Spotify, all of it, or go to the Teach Better Team site and find it there under the podcast network. Hunter, it's always so fun to chat with you. I love your work. I hope that you have an incredible start to your year. I mean, gosh, what a busy, wonderful time. And I hope you'll join us again at Daily Drop-In, maybe in the future, find some time and make that work. I always love talking shop with you and your tips and tricks on relationships was awesome today. So I can't wait to hear how people apply these skills and hopefully share out what how it works for them. So that'd be great. Honored to talk with you as always, Ray. You always re-energize me and give me thinking about other things to change my practice. So I'm really thankful for that. So would love for to be on again. I appreciate it. For all of you here, we hope you have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day and afternoon. We, we wish you nothing but an incredible, credible day, whether you are enjoying your summer or headed back in the classroom with students. Really make the most of this week. 
We hope that uh, you enjoy your last sip of coffee and we will see you tomorrow for our daily drop-in at 7 a.m. Eastern streaming on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch with the incredible Megan, who's a part of the Teach Better family, uh, now starting a new school in Nashville. So I can only imagine she's got some good gossip for us and she is dying for some good strategies on fostering those relationships, not only with her new students, but also new colleagues. So we'll get into that tomorrow. So see you later, guys. Have a wonderful rest of your day.